They may not have all the answers, but they have opinions. So, of course, they started a podcast. Grab your headphones and prepare to nod thoughtfully. It's Founder Quest. We're back. We're back. It's been a few weeks, I think. Yeah, you know, the end of the year, beginning of the year is kind of a crazy time. Like vacations and holidays and then you come back and for me i'm like i'm just diving in ready to go january 1st i mean or maybe january 2nd dive in there yeah. and then like martin luther king day there's another holiday it's like oh, oh come on <laughs> can we just go back to normal so now we have our first normal full week of the year i'm, I'm excited <laughs> yeah yeah i've been hearing from a lot of people that like it's been slow january getting back into the swing of things but i'm back from my vacation and finally feeling like i'm getting into the year and been getting work done and it's all been it's all been really great these past couple of weeks actually so nice. happy to be past the whatever that first of the year terror is <laughs> that some people deal with yeah i'm feeling pretty good too been i dove into yeah. the the clickhouse search stuff and that's pretty close to being ready to unleash on production so it's been feeling good to make progress on that and insights of course making some progress there so yeah it's been a great great month so far in fact this morning I was looking at some stats and I was like, I was looking at our AWS bill and uh, just checking some stuff. I did a migration last week and I was checking the costs on that. And uh, as an aside, being able to scale up your DynamoDB tables to have a super high throughput just for a little while and then turn that back down, that's pretty cool. So anyway, I was checking the costs on that. And I'm like, what? why is the bill so high? I'm like, oh, it's the 23rd? Like, wh where did the month go? Uh, I don't know. So I guess it's a good sign. Yeah, step. it's flying by, but I feel like we've been getting a lot of work done this month, even with the... Uh delays and weather and did we even mention the ice storm here in portland and the, the snow in seattle i know everyone around the country has been dealing with weather so yeah i don't think we're unique but uh yeah just sheet of ice for i was we didn't leave our house for the past week maybe that's part of the productivity boost though <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's been good and i feel like we had some pretty good momentum like on like building the new ui design that we've been we're rolling out mm -hmm. in december I feel like we're moving a little bit better than we were, say, in November or the prior months leading yeah. up to getting this thing shipped, which is part of our new goal, we should probably mention, is 100 customers spending $100 per month by March 31st is our is our big goal. Yeah, for our new product. we For our new product. Get that expansion insights. revenue. Sweet, sweet expansion revenue. Yep. So those could be current customers, could be new customers, hopefully a mix of both. We have no idea how realistic this is but this is what we're shooting for yeah it's good to have it's good to have big goals and to have a dare, daring kind of adventures like that yeah we had one customer reach out to us who is actually using the insights beta and they're loving it so much they're like so what's the pricing like and i thought that was pretty exciting and then we had another customer who i reached out to them and talked about pricing and they were on board with what we're planning so it's good signals on that so i yeah, we may not hit 100 customers but we'll get at least one <laughs> yeah yeah, and we might get that sooner rather than later. That's the current, like the mini milestone that we're really going for right now is to get that first dollar in the door for this new big feature slash product that we're adding to Honey Badger. And we're working on pricing now. That's that we kind of got excited and built all the cool stuff and didn't build pricing. So <laughs> we'll get that shipped out, I think, pretty quickly. And as soon as that happens, like we don't have to have everything completely polished to start like onboarding the first couple customers who are already using the product as is and i think we know at least a few of them are ready to pay so i think we'll get that first dollar pretty quickly i hope 
Yeah, and we're trying something new this week. So we just started uh, part of our project management. We're trying uh, to actually have some target dates for deliverables. <laughs> That's not something that we've done much of in the past. We're not uh, fans of arbitrary deadlines. But you know, it's good to have many milestones to get to your bigger goals. So yeah, we're trying that. So we're shooting to have the Insights pricing launched by the end of this week. And of course, we might miss that. It's not going to kill anybody if we don't hit that date. But that's our target date. That's our goal, our mini goal. Yeah. And if we don't hit it, we might like dedicate some more resources or put kind of shift focus of the whole team. Right now, Roel's working on it. And pricing always is something you want to take your time with and make sure you get it right. But yeah, I think that we picked a, a relatively simple implementation to start with to get our current customers onto it. So I think we, we should have a good chance of getting there. Yeah, I think as per usual, when you're thinking about pricing, you, you, it's pretty easy to get stuck in analysis paralysis. What about this? And what about that? And is this the right thing? So and, many options. Yeah. And I think it's been helpful for me to just frame it as, look, this is V1 pricing, right? We, we're just going to go out the door with this and hey, it might have bugs in it and that's okay. If it has bugs, our customers will tell us and we'll figure it out. We can always change it. <laughs> it's MVP, minimal viable pricing. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You just got to have something for people to pay you. Yeah. But before we get to our pricing stuff, before that's going to be out there in front of our customers, we're planning on having some UI updates out there in front of our customers. So that's one yeah, of our shiny, shiny new UI. It's one of our, our mini goals is to have some shiny new UI. And so today we're going to talk about how we're actually going to get that in front of our customers. So this is something we've been working on and thinking about for a long time. And actually, we I think we spent more time thinking about it than working on it last year. <laughs> we've had this kind of simple user interface for Honey Badger for whatever, like 11 years. I mean, it's changed over the years, but it hasn't changed drastically. And in the beginning, like it was a much simpler product. So the navigation and just the, the global elements that were the information architecture and all that that was set up in the beginning has evolved a little bit over time, but not too much. And meanwhile, we've added like a ton of functionality and new features and new navigation links and things. And I think the, like just the general navigation slash shell of the application didn't really keep up with that as well as it could. In addition, like we're trying to solve some of the just logical or like accessibility things that some links just don't belong where they currently are. And we want to figure out how we can make everything intuitive and make it so that like when you click on something, you're not surprised mm -hmm. by what's there. So that was the goal. The way I put it in the email that we sent to our customers today was like, we're trying to give Honey Badger like a new coat of paint without changing the core workflows that everyone loves. And we'll get into why we're a little sensitive to that. But yeah, I think it was really great to finally like get into actually implementing what we learned from our research last year that we did with consultants and on our own of trying to figure out how to like make everything be intuitive. Yeah. And like you said, we've added a bunch of stuff over the years and we fit it in where we can. And in some ways yeah. it made sense. In other ways, it didn't make the best sense. I know we were talking to someone recently and we were talking about the history of Honey Badger and he said, so you started with exception monitoring, right? And I was taken aback by that because I had forgotten. We didn't always have uptime monitoring and crime monitoring. <laughs> yeah. These are things that we've course. added on. And I was like, yeah, we did actually only have that one thing when we started. So I think, yeah, we've, we realized over the past year or so that it was time for doing a bit of restructuring to be able to fit in some of these things in a way that made more sense. So, you know, we're going to have things like being able to see the uptime at a glance over across the whole account rather than, you know, it's being so project-based, which was the primary focus before. So there's a number of changes like that that I think help get us not only adapted for the stuff that we've added so far, but also 
positioning as well for adding the new stuff like insights, which are also going to have big impacts on the product. Right. I was going to say like, that. why are we drawing the line in the sand now versus we could have done this a while ago, but I think like it was the last straw, like we're adding this, this the next big thing into yeah. the UI. And we, we were just like, there is, we are not shipping this without <laughs> solving this, like finally. Like we need a better foundation to work with going forward if we're going to keep building on the application. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first little bit when we first tried squeezing it into the rest of the UI, it's like, this is just not working. And then as we talked to yeah. consultants and helping us figure out the launch for this thing, we really realized how much this really changes the product or at least has the potential to change the product. And we're not going to be there, I think, on day zero when we first launch Insights. I think we'll see this evolve over time. But I think, yeah, doing this work, is was, it was really timely to be able to be ready for the future. Yeah, this gives us a lot of room to build on. Like the yeah. framework is much better that we have, like the UI framework. Yeah. And it's just, it's just nice to have a refresh every once in a while. It's nice right. to put on a new coat yeah. of paint, like you said. And also one enabling thing was that we upgraded our bootstrap a few months ago. We had a contractor help us with that. And so that got us into the place where we cleaned up a bunch of the internal stuff, the structure and things. It's been nice seeing the visual stuff now that's going along with the structural stuff that we did before that helped unlock this. Yeah, this is tying into kind of our ongoing project. Um, but I think really in 2024, aside from like launching insights, like one of our major goals for the year is just like polishing and just improving what we already have and making it just better updating and improving user experience and developer experience and paying attention to the small details that we have probably missed in the past as we're trying to just ship things. Yep. Yeah. And to be honest, there have been times where we had thought it would be nice to do an update, but we got kind of gun shy with UI updates for a while there. We had a few times, oh, I guess it's been several years ago now where we would make a change and our customers would be like, we don't really like that change so much. <laughs> and we felt oh, sometimes the mob was come at the gates with the pitchforks, like undo that. <laughs> yeah. 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 We, I remember one time it was more than a few years ago, but we had, we tried, I think we actually did make the changes and stuck with them, mm -hmm. but the experience of rolling it out, I, I'll just say we, we learned a lot that we yeah. have incorporated into what we've done here that we're going to talk about. And I, I think like it's gone really well and I think we really did a good job of building on the mistakes that we made in the past when rolling out big UI changes. I think like our application in particular is it's, it's the type of application that is like baked into people's workflows. Mm -hmm. And if you change their workflows, then that's when the torches and pitchforks come out. Right. And so we are not doing that this time. <laughs> We're taking some baby steps. Yes. Like it's a big visual update, but it's not changing the core workflows that people know and love and we've made that clear in our communication with everyone and we can step through some of these things but i think so far it's been really positive feedback and i'm looking forward to getting this out to everyone yeah those were valuable hard-earned lessons from just not inflicting changes on people that are big because like you said it's a part of their day it's there's muscle memory involved it's like you know if you move a control element people are going to have problems because like i'm used to clicking in this particular spot right and we ourselves, as we've tested through this, it's like, oh, yeah, I can see where this muscle memory is going to want me to go over there instead of go over here. And yeah, people naturally don't really want to have their work application change underneath them, right, in, in the middle of the workday or whatever. Yeah. Now, that said, sometimes it does need to change and it's going to be uncomfortable. Like any change is going to be uncomfortable no matter who you are. 
And sometimes that discomfort is good and it's worth it. And I think as the product team, we do need to like have a vision for where we're going and be bold about making those changes. But I think what we've learned is that if it's going to be something that is disruptive to someone's like muscle memory or something that's baked into their process, like make those changes very slowly, like one at a time, if possible, and let them know what's coming. If you can, maybe even multiple times, like, you know, mm -hmm. basically like give people time to get used to it and to make the switch. So that's kind of the goal here. Like, I think we will be making like future changes that might be slightly more disruptive or change some parts of the app. But in this update, we're just making broad, high level things that will then give us a better foundation for making some of those changes gradually over time. Like we know it will be much better than what people have now, but we need to bring people with us on this journey and right. not just like do all this work and then drop it on them <laughs> and be like, here you go. Yep. Yeah. As we were talking about the, these UI changes, we were became convinced that it was going to be big enough that we couldn't just deploy it one day and all of a sudden flip a switch that we had to give people a chance to see it first before they were stuck with it, basically. And when we've talked about this kind of thing in the past, we've hesitated because that's a big lift to do a big change and to give a way to see it and go back if it's not quite ready and that sort of thing. In, in, in the intervening years, we've really become a fan of feature flags. We use Flipper at Honey Badger, and that's been great for like managing. We have this new feature that we want to put out, but we want to test it before the small group of people before everyone gets it. And that's been really cool. We really enjoyed having using that. But in this case, it was not that viable because we had a lot of structural changes, you know, just like uh, templates, the files moving in the in the app. And we couldn't just have this one little toggle because it was a significant redo of the structure. And so we're like, I guess we need to have like a preview environment or something. So we had to stand up a completely separate thing. Yeah, I think that was the right call. We, we basically have a big running branch with these changes. It's basically a staging environment with a few extra things for like production use. Yeah. Yeah. One of the investments that we made in the past year that has paid off in this case is moving away from EC2 instances over to using ECS uh, Fargate. So that with AWS, that's where you can host your Docker container. You give them the container and they run it basically. And that's allowed us to easily stand up new staging environments, new preview environments. We use Terraform heavily here at Honey Badger and so just having a new ECS service spun up that has our same container based off this branch rather than off our master branch that allows us to have a preview environment. One of, one of the snags that we had though, as I was setting this up, we typically use subdomains for doing stuff and we had planned on having a preview.honeybadger.io, but then as soon as I got that deployed, I was, I finished up, I closed the laptop. I'm like, ah, oh, I got that done today. I'm so excited. And then, I don't know, 20 minutes later, I thought, wait a minute, that's going to be a problem because when people sign in via GitHub, like they go to app.honeybadger.io, they can't go to preview. because GitHub restricts what, what you can redirect, redirect to. And then I was like, oh, wait. And then we also have SAML logins where people are going to our, that subdomain and we can't just have all customers update their SAML configs just for a preview. As I was looking at that, I was like, well, what can we do? And fortunately, we have this really convenient AWS infrastructure where we have load balancers that have rules that can check request headers. And it's like, oh, what if we just had a cookie? And played with that a bit and turns out that yeah, that works. Like a, yeah. like a huge light bulb moment in my head as I'm imagining you in this story. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, I was so yeah. excited. And so 
turns out we can just check a cookie in our load balancer rules and send traffic over to this other ECS service if it has a cookie and send it to our main ECS service if it doesn't have a cookie. So that was, that unlocked that and made it really nice and I think made some for some great UI that you built out. Yeah, so um, to kind of set the stage, like the initial plan, like you mentioned, was to have the subdomain and we use user list for like customer communication and we use mostly email. So we were planning on sending an email to our segment of users who are like receptive to product research, which is most of them, fortunately. And we were going to link up the subdomain and say, go log into the subdomain and click around and whatever, like you can use that or switch back to the main app.honeybadger.io subdomain. And that's, that would have been, that would have been okay. But like you said, there were some kind of edge cases around just it not being a complete, even though it's backed by our production database and all of our services, it's production. Otherwise it's the login issues and there's other things that aren't, it's not quite a production. Um, so this allowed us to not only solve that problem, but it also allowed us to build in a nicer experience to switch between these things because really like you're just toggling a cookie. Once we realized we could just toggle a cookie and have the UI change from the user standpoint, it's just the UI changes. They don't know at all how it's doing this. Is it using a feature flag or is it redirecting to an entirely different environment? So it made a, a much nicer experience for the user. And it allowed us to build a preview landing page with a toggle button and add it to our navigation for the current app. And then on the new UI, we added like the destination for them to land on when they basically we toggle the cookie for them and they see the new thing. It shows a new landing page. It's welcome to the new Honey Badger. And you can click a button to go back or you can explore the new UI. And that that was a really nice like side benefit of this approach, which I actually like, I don't know, I'm sure this has been done before, but it seemed novel to me and I really liked the approach. Yeah, it's the first time for me trying something like this. And the thing I really liked about it over the subdomain approach, which we're thinking about before, is that with the subdomain thing, like you go to it, you try it out and you're like, oh, okay, that's cool. You click around maybe three or four times and then you're done and you go back to your real work, right? You go back to the main site and, and do this stuff. But with this cookie thing, like someone can turn it on. They can click around. They're still using the main site. They're like, wait a minute, I can just stay in this preview mode and I can just use it. And so we were, I yeah. was doing that myself over the past week. Like I had gone in and I had flipped the cookie for myself and I was using the production app, but in preview mode. And Same I think here. that's pretty awesome to get, because I think we'll get more feedback from people who are like, oh, I can just stay here and just keep using it. And it doesn't really interrupt my workflow. Yeah. So they still have the option to turn it off, but hopefully it's good enough that, and I think it is that we'll have a number of people that, that stay until we get to the point of, of shipping it. And this morning, this is a Tuesday, we sent the email that announced this and sent people to the new whatever sl app slash preview page to enable the new design. And we had some copy that asked them to reply to our email to give us some feedback on the design. And it went out to our members of paying accounts. We decided to limit this only to users who are actually paying us or people who are parts of accounts that are paying us. And we excluded the, like, the free users for now. And that was intentional because we really want to cater to people who are giving us money <laughs> and prioritize their feedback because that's where we're going to actually like meet this goal. So we sent it out to them. I was really surprised by the response, to be honest, because we've received very little outright negative feedback. And the feedback that we have, we've had a lot of people just say, I, this is a huge improvement. I love it. 
But the feedback that we have received has been constructive overall. And I think we'll have a pretty good list of things to work on between now and when we flip the switch on this or merge it. But I think we'll get there next week. Like I think we can make some improvements based on people's suggestions and get this thing merged. So that's my hope is that next episode, we will be talking about how this is live and everyone can go check it out for themselves. Yeah, because one of those target dates that we put inside of our project management tool was a target date of shipping this next Tuesday. So we'll see if we can hit that date. Yeah. So one week. But I was pretty excited about the feedback. We got a good we got a good bug report, which was great. And dark mode, like dark mode is always the bugaboo because it's, I don't use dark mode as my primary work environment. And we miss things there. And we it often bites us. It's, oh, this little label and this page in dark mode is not great. Like, oh, all right, we'll go fix that. So that was cool. It's really nice to get people actually using it to the point where we, we can unearth some of those corner cases like that. Yeah. And we also got some good general feedback from a few people i found that anytime you give some people anytime you give them like the opportunity to give you feedback they're gonna even if it's not what you asked for they'll do that and that's great like I, lo I love like any chance that we can have to hear from our customers and see what their use cases are and things like that's just great so yeah, that's gold just send, like sending it to the people on the paying accounts was brilliant because one <clears throat> one thing i noticed that we have we do have a lot of people who are super helpful and like to communicate back to us when we email them, which is great. But sometimes it's just too much volume. Like we get a lot of responses to these kinds of emails. And even, even when they're all great, it's still a lot. <laughs> and so I think yeah. limiting it to that audience was helpful in making it manageable today. <laughs> and we have a lot of free, we have a lot of free users in the database. It would have been, I think it would have been more than double the people we sent it to at least. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, to be honest, I just didn't want to deal with <laughs> um, not not to mention like not to rag on the free user we have great free users but just freemium in general tends to attract more like the, the vocal nitpicky type of user and i think not only is that like you know i didn't want to deal with it i'll be honest but also mm -hmm. like i think that could potentially drown out some of the more like actionable feedback or valuable feedback yeah so yeah i was glad with that decision yeah it was fun seeing the email. I love the emails that you write there. Uh, I appreciate the writing process that you go through. You know, you do edits and we review them and, and stuff. You do a much better job than I would. But I like getting those emails because I'm one of the customers that's on the list. And so I get that. And so oh, there's this nice little personal note from Josh, you know, and I know it's a bulk email. I mean, yeah. Presumably 90% of the people who are receiving it know it's a bulk email. But still, like, I, I really appreciate your tone of voice and the approach that you take. That it, it does feel like a personal note from Josh. And please let me know what you think, you know. Well, thanks. I actually, I got that approach or I've, I was, I've been inspired in my email writing by Derek Sivers, who I don't know if you're on his email list. If you're not, you should join just to see how he does email. But it's very like people know that it's like an email, a CRM system that he's using because yeah. he has so many people that he emails with and he replies to everyone. Like I've emailed with him a few times. If you email Derek Sivers, like he will reply to you <laughs> and it will be personal and a nice chat. But so he, first of all, he doesn't send a lot of email. Like he doesn't bug people unless he has a really good reason to. It's like if he's released something or if there's something very actionable or interesting that he wants to share. And when he does email, it just comes from his account and it looks just like he dashed off an email to you. It doesn't have any of the trappings of like marketing, like a MailChimp email or something. And so, 
And it's also like just straight and to the point, basically like giving you the information that is like valuable to you and personal, but not too markety. And so that's how I've gravitated towards that approach a little bit more in my marketing copy, especially for uh, emails like this, like our product update emails and some other like more marketing style emails. I'll take a little bit more of a, I don't know, like a bubbly or marketing, but when I'm like trying to get some, something specific from someone, I've found that it really helps if it seems like it's a personal, just intentional email to someone. And it is, it's just to a lot of people at the same time. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, it really is the same email that you would have written to someone if you were emailing them individually. Yes. Hey, Bob, would you do this for me? Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just instead of sending, sending it to one friend, I'm sending it to like 15,000 friends. <laughs> I appreciate those types of emails because I'm busy. And if I even open the email, that's good news for you. And then if the email can actually help me like figure out like, okay, what do I need to do here? Because if I'm opening the email, I probably like you and I want to help. But I don't want to read through like, you know, three, four paragraphs to mm -hmm. figure out like what you want from me. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's one thing that, that you and Star both helped me a lot on is when I send an email that I want to explain something or have someone do something, I spend, you know, a book explaining the thing. Here's the backstory. Like at the beginning of time, when the cavemen first came out of their caves, and, and eventually I get to the point, but you and Star are like, uh, you really need a TLDR here. <laughs> like, can you bullet this for me? <laughs> TLDRs are great. I love bullets. I think I will say there are many cases where you want the backstory. And if there's like important information that requires explanation, like you don't want to leave that out. But yeah, in that case, like a TLDR is great. I really like summarizing things, like everything you need to know. I like to summarize at the top of the email if you have a longer explanation. But also in this case, I kind of did that. And I, I, a lot of times I'll start by writing that email just for what it's worth. Like I do a lot of editing. So mm. a lot of times like I'll have that email and then I'll be like, okay, this is not, you know, it's not very actionable or it's going to be, it's gotten too long. And so then I'll figure out how to like make it so people can grok it easily. And in this case, I, I wanted to tell people what we did. Like I wanted to explain the actual changes we've made, but I didn't want to start with that because like for the people that are just like quick, like I'm using this all the time. All I really need to know is that something has changed. I can toggle it on and go check it out. I wanted them to be able to just understand that and do it right away. So like the email has like a, just, it's a very short intro and that explains that. And then just has a big orange button that's like test drive the honey badger UI, but then to give them some of the extra context, I actually did like a postscript after my, like I signed up, signed the email, Josh, and then did a postscript that said, by the way, here's a, like a punch list of the things we changed. And then I had five bullet items that kind of explained, like walk through that. So they still have the extra context, but they could ignore it if they want to. Yeah, that's awesome. I, as I was looking at the email and I, I did a proofread, you asked me to check it out and I did that. And. And, but then as I was sitting, after I did that, then I was sitting back and just like looking at it and looking at the balance of the email, just like visually and like, I mean, picture me like scooting back, you know, from the desk, like a few feet. Right. And, and kind so I squint a little, yeah, exactly. Make it a little fuzzy. And I was just like, okay, there's this big orange button. And then a lot of the meat though, is in the PS, like here are the details mm -hmm. of the stuff. But if you don't care about that stuff, you're never going to see it. You're just gonna click on the button and go check out the thing. Right. Cause it's like, here's two sentences. It tells you what it is. Click here. But if you keep going, then you get the, the details uh, that, that I would have put at the beginning because that's the kind of way I write stuff, right? 
So yeah. I was looking at that. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I like the, it's in a PS. And so this is always the extra stuff, but this is actually the meat of the emails is like, this is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. That, that was like a little bit different for me. Like that was kind of an experiment. And I think, yeah, I think, I think it worked well, but yeah, normally like a PS is a little shorter and this was like a list of things. So yeah, a little different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved it. And loved it. the proof is in the pudding. We've had a bunch of responses and only one that was like neutral or negative. The yeah. rest had been just like very nice. So props to you. The negative one was also just someone who was saying, I hate this thing in the app that's <laughs> been there since the beginning. So <laughs> like, it's maybe like a... <laughs> you should like, why, like, do you want to keep using Honey Badger? <laughs> it's like, we didn't um, actually change that thing you're complaining about. <laughs> yeah. Like I have a pretty thick skin for those types for re email responses in general now because just you know you're gonna get someone who yeah. is ju just in a mood to rant <laughs> and is going to take it out on you and in those cases like you know I, I replied to that person I was like okay is there something specific you would could you explain like what you dislike about this core thing in the app that has been the same since for the last 10 years Maybe we'll get some feedback or yeah. at least it hopefully disarms them a little bit. If they're really hostile, I'll just unsubscribe them for them. I'll click the button and no need to antagonize yeah. people. But yeah, maybe he's been sitting there for eight years. Like, you know what? I, I just, this thing bugs me. And this was the thing that prompted him to be like, I've got to speak up now. Like, here's my chance. Yeah. You know? So yeah, maybe while you're out. changing things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see something good could come out of that or something actionable, but also there's just people that have preferences and. They, you can't please everyone. We could easily change this and then upset a yeah. hundred people yeah, that just sure. were happy with it. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you're a Honey Badger customer and you haven't checked out the preview yet, you should definitely check it out. Assuming that you get to hear this before we actually launch the preview. <laughs> yeah. Unlikely, but. <laughs> if you're listening to this after we launch the preview, then send us an email and let us know how you like it or what you think could be better. We'd yeah. be happy to continue to make tweaks on that for you. Yeah, if it is not launched by then, for some reason, you can go to a forward slash preview, just app.honeybadger.io slash preview, and it will let you toggle it or go to the user menu and it's got a UI feature preview link. So yeah, and more exciting things to come. Yeah, I'm really excited to get this shipped and then get insights into it. I think yeah. that's the goal. Cool. We're wrapping up. Yeah, this has been Founder Quest. You should uh, do all the things we normally say, but visit founderquestpodcast.com. You can follow Ben and I on Twitter. I think all of our social links are there or ideally Mastodon. I think we're a little more active on Mastodon these days. Um, go give us some reviews in all the podcast apps and uh, we'll catch you next week. Founder Quest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360-degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word, where you can access our huge back catalog of episodes. Founder Quest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.